0: Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts.
1: Thanks for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. We have a big show today. We are going to go through. We are diving into the draft pool to see what the Miami Dolphins might do in the first round. The Super Bowl's the weekend, so we got to talk about that. It's the Cat and Houts show today. I'm liking it. How you guys doing today?
2: Doing good, 77 days till the draft, and uh, what, five weeks till free agency, so um, it's, you know, hey, if, if we're not going to be in the Super Bowl, at least we've got something to talk about here.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good, glad to be able to come on here and talk to you guys. Um, those that are on YouTube, make sure you check us out on 560 WQAM's YouTube, but I do have a baby in my hand, so if I just disappear, um, I trust that Jake and Kat are going to get us through this, and talk about the prospects that Dolphins might be eyeing up. But uh, Jake, how have you been? It's been a while. It seems like forever since you and I did a podcast.
1: We've set some sort of record here. It's been five days since we podcast. The Heat have won a couple of games, so I'm feeling good. The temperature's reached 40 degrees outside, so it's basically spring. Everything is super exciting up here. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to kind of take this opportunity to be step ahead of the curve to really try to dive in and use Kat's knowledge to get into some draft experts or draft prospects here but before we do that uh guys can I get your thoughts on the Super Bowl uh because you got Patrick Mahomes who's basically Thanos on one side and then you got the Avengers on the other an entire offense stacked with weapons except Captain America might still be the the Steve that didn't get the serum I don't know if I'm getting too nerdy here but if Brock Purdy's that guy is what I'm getting at but Kat how you feeling about Sunday
2: Well, my wife will be home in about five minutes, and she's a Chiefs fan. So I I feel safe enough to predict 20 to 17 49ers.
0: Oh, man, I wasn't going to get – I don't know the score prediction, but I definitely have bet on the Chiefs. I do think that you just can't count out Patrick Mahomes. Like you said, I mean, this is a guy that's um, just oozing with greatness. And even Andy Reid, I mean, every time he's in a big game, it seems like lately he just finds a way. So I'm going to lean the opposite way. I think it might be the Chiefs, but um, that San Francisco 49ers team is scary, especially with Christian McCaffrey.
1: I lean Kansas City, but I also think back to that um, 2019 Super Bowl where the Bucks beat the Chiefs, and I thought one of the most important factors of that game is the one issue with the Chiefs their offensive line was a mess. And the Chiefs are relatively healthy this year, except there's one guy not practicing. That's left guard Joe Tooney, who might be the best player on that offensive line. So if there's a world where we're to say, oh, how did we not see this coming? I think it's maybe Kansas City's offensive line not being able to hold up and uh, Patrick Mahomes somehow not having enough time to uh, pull away a victory. But with that, Kat, I want to... I want to, like, give you our draft content because one of the first conversations i didn't have with you but about you was this like um this tale about you have binders and binders full of just draft content you just absolutely love digging into the film and and i'd like you to kind of take us through your uh yearly cycle of how you kind of go through the draft what sticks out to you about college football and how you really prepare for uh, that april uh what mid april date i don't even know what date it is yet
2: yeah, so uh, what I think April 25th it is. And so what I like to do after the college football season, I like to watch college season just really like a fan and enjoy it and you know just kind of observe what what jumps out at me there. Um but as really during this time what I do is I create a co- really a YouTube channel um, position by position, quarterback, running back, all the way down so that of about 160, 170 prospects I, I've got three or four games that I can really zero in on, on specific players and and talk to them. So now, really, I'm kind of going through those first and second round types of, of guys. And, you know, the Dolphins picked 21st in the NFL draft this year, and, and uh, there, there should be some talent on the board.
0: I'll jump in. I, I mean, I used to be all about the draft content, but once I had kids, it was just a, a whole different ball game. How do you balance that? Like, is there a way that you've been able to, you know, you stay up late at night and grind the tape. I know you send how you have a YouTube channel, which sounds fascinating, but um, you know, I used to doubt, you know, dip my feet into it a little bit, but I don't ever took the NFL draft nearly to that level that you did. So um, how do you balance that father <laughs> with uh being a draft scout late at night?
2: Well, so uh- basically my kids, my job and football are the only three things I do. So that, that helps out a lot. Like I, I watched a movie the other day and I think that was the first time I watched a movie in like four years. Uh, you know, I just, I, I, I don't know. It's, it it's just, I'm, I'm pretty set in my ways, but yeah, as far as like, I I'll create on, on YouTube, like basically channel so that when I'm, when I'm working in the background, I can always have Two screens on where where those games are playing continuously throughout the whole thing. I still do well in my job. Don't 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 get me wrong, but I I I do have to have that on in the background. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to balance it.
1: Number one goal of being a parent is multitasking, right? If and if you're not using multitasking,
2: then then you're really missing out. If you're and still they're, and they're in daycare during the day, so so we're we're good on that. When they're when they're when my kids are home, I'm with them, not watching it. But during the day. I've got a lot of time to multitask with between work and 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 football so I'm I'm good to go.
1: It's always the quiet uh minority that really uh or it's always the loud minority I should say that really gets into your ears so Kat, before we go into some players you would like the Miami Dolphins to really lock in at for pick 21 let, let's wipe out some players that you're fairly confident just won't be available so we don't have these pipe dreams or the, these hopeful guys uh hopeful fans like uh, Brock Powers or something like that will be there cuz I have a hard time believing
2: Yeah, I just looking at the list here. I mean, you can always have a you know a a Laramie Tunzel type of draft day scenario, but assuming that's unlikely, you know, I go through it. Really, eleven players I focus on that that I'd say, you know, okay, anything can happen. But for argument's sake, they're going to be off the board, or it's very very unlikely they'll be there when the Dolphins pick at twenty one. I've got eleven players, ten of them are on offense. It's not a strong defensive year. So, uh, offensively, players that will not be there at twenty one. Caleb, three quarterbacks, Caleb Williams from USC, Drake May from North Carolina, Jaden Daniels from LSU. At wide receiver, you got three guys Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, Malik Neighbors from LSU, uh, and uh, Romeo Dunzier from Washington. Tight end Brock Bowers, like you mentioned. And then at offensive tackle, you've got uh, three guys um, Joe Alt, the tackle from uh, Notre Dame, Ola Fasciano, the tackle from Penn State. And Talis Fuaga, the the offensive tackle slash guard from from Oregon State, and then on the defensive side of the ball, the only guy I can say definitely won't be there is Dallas Turner, the edge rusher from Alabama. So those are the eleven guys I'd say. There's also two, you know, the most most popular player, the the tackle guard from Washington, uh, Troy Fatanu, who's really the most popular projected pick right now to the Dolphins at twenty one.
0: I don't want to get too sidetracked, and we're not we're not here to talk about quarterbacks. But there's a lot of stuff going on right now with Drake May. Is that the way you had those uh, your quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jane Daniels, or is it too early for you to really plant your flag on the uh, your top three?
2: I this is of all the quarterback years, this is the one year where I distinctly love all three of the top prospects, like the year where Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance were the top three guys. You know, I'm not it's not revisionist history. I, I didn't understand Zach Wilson and Trey Lance at two, two and three. I thought they had the potential, but that was shocking for me in that type of draft this year. I like all three of the top guys. I mean, I, and for me, Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels are one A and one B for me because, and Drake may, I think is every bit deserving to be a top five, top 10 pick. He's kind of a Justin Herbert clone, maybe not quite as physically gifted as Herbert, but You know, Jaden Daniels this year, 40 touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,100 rushing yards, Heisman Trophy winner. But what stands out most in his game, though, is, you know, he's not too far off from a Lamar Jackson in his ability to just pull the ball down and, and escape out the back door for 25 yards. And that's so, so valuable in the NFL now.
1: Do you like to go best player on the board or biggest need? I'll cheat and say both.
2: You know, there has to be i mean i say best player on the board but with a with an asterisk to that there has to be a pathway for that player to have a meaningful role immediately and be a core player in the long term and if not th- at that point that's when i take them off the board that's part of the reason you know and we could talk about a few of these positions where i'm i'm not wholly considering but like defensive end you know after dallas turner you got Layatu Latu from UCLA and Jared Verse, who are projected to go somewhere between 10 and 20, they could be great value for the Dolphins at 21. But then you have to ask Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb, uh, what do you do with them when they get back? I mean, you may be in a situation where if you draft, you know, say a Jared Verse at 21, we're sitting here a year from today and, um, you know, he's the third best edge rusher on the roster.
1: That's going to be the hardest challenge for the Dolphins. Not only the the fact that they've used some higher picks on defensive players recently, but how do you kind of prepare for a season when you have a former first round pick Jalen Phillips? I think your third or fourth highest cap hit in Bradley Chubb, who two guys who aren't going to be ready for training camp, at least might not be ready to start the year. How do you approach or what's even like what, what could be going through Chris Greer's mind right now about how we can stabilize that group? Do you just bring back the the old hogs again, Adam Sandler, the Justin Houstons and all those guys? Is that the only way?
2: I think uh, the second part of what you said there is, is what's going to have to happen, unfortunately, because, look, there is no easy answer to how do you replace your two star players who tore ligaments in November and December of last year? Oh, and then their backups to Cameron Good and Andrew Van Ginkle. Are probably not going to be here either um there's no good answer for that so you're just gonna have to eat crap and learn to like the taste of it jake
1: wow that's that's basically summarizing being a dolphins fan isn't it what do you
0: yeah i want that on a shirt can we get a dolphin shirt with that on and another dolphins podcast you're just gonna eat shit and like it
1: and it just shows the final four weeks of the season after the cowboys game oh boy that's 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 mildly upsetting um Kat, let's go through some of the positions, though. As you start to shake out those first 20 um, you know, draft picks, where are some positions that you're already going through in your head? These are guys the Dolphins, or these are positions the Dolphins aren't even going to think about, just the way the roster's built, the uh, salary cap restrictions and everything else they're dealing with.
2: Yeah, and look, we have to talk about quarterback because if you're of the opinion that Tua is not, you know. The Fran- if you're queasy about him getting a five, six-year deal, I I get it. I really do. Um, but I don't like to talk about quarterbacks who don't exist either. I mean, and after you get past the first three guys, you know, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, I'd be stunned if they don't, they don't go in the top three or four picks. And then after that, you look at the quarterbacks right now who are projected to go anywhere from the middle of the first round to like round three, which are Bo Nix, Michael Penix, uh, and J.J. McCarthy. McCarthy is from Michigan. Penix is from Washington. Bo Nix is from Oregon. If you look at those players and say, look, I think that they're going to be better than Tua as a pro. I mean, I I understand where you're coming from. I completely disagree with the evaluation, but at least I understand where that person's coming from. But when I see that, I, I don't see a quarterback that, is that I can point to and say yes he can go into buffalo and he can outduel Josh Allen. I don't see that in this class after the top 3 guys of Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels and Drake May. I
0: keep I keep joking that JJ McCarthy is going to be the guy they go after because of that being uh, the Michigan guy and even what are your thoughts on Spencer Rattler? That's a name that's coming, you know what? Day two, maybe day – I keep making the joke about that being Landon Greer's favorite quarterback. So, I mean, obviously he's not going to come in there and push two. I mean, you're sitting here talking about which one of these guys can come and do it two does. Let's be honest. You can look at college football. There are very few quarterbacks that have that type of accuracy and anticipation that two does. I mean, you cannot just plug and play any of these guys. But I have to throw out Spencer Rattler. Uh, what were your thoughts on him? He does seem to be, you know, shooting up the board a little bit after the senior bowl. And um, there were a time when a lot of people thought very highly of him.
2: You know, after – was it 2021 as uh, last year – or? the year before his final year at Oklahoma, he was the consensus number one pick in mock drafts. And then he had a bad year transferred to South Carolina and he's been forgotten about. And now it's kind of like, all right, he's probably going to be a day three guy. And then he has the good senior bowl. And now you're starting to talk about him as a third or fourth round pick. Uh, And I look, I think anywhere after the first round for the dolphins, a quarterback, it's fair game. And that should be the advantage of having Mike McDaniel as the head coach. I mean, you're talking to, if you talk about, you know, in the middle rounds, you know, uh, uh, Spencer Rattler, uh, uh, Jordan Travis from Florida State when he gets healthy, these types of guys, yeah, I think the Dolphins would be crazy not to draft at least one quarterback every year.
1: I think that's a great way to attack things. I mean, San Francisco, obviously not every time you're going to nail a seventh-round um, quarterback, but you never will if you don't try and just, you know, shoot those darts. Cat, what's another position you think they'll avoid?
2: A uh, really bad year at running back. I mean, I, I don't think the dolphins would target that anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I think if they went into next season with just, you know, HN, Raheem Mostert and Chris Brooks, I don't think any any of us would complain about that with Alec and at fullback, um, you know, tight end after Brock powers, you know, Jatavian Sanders, a tight end from Texas is the number two guy right now. <sighs> I I wonder – I mean, the Dolphins really have to carve out a role for a tight end if they're going to draft a young guy like that. But after that, it's a very bad tight end class. And then on the defensive side of the ball, like I said, at at edge, I think you just kind of got to take your lumps with Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips. I don't think – I don't think they're going to target that position in the first round. Defensive tackle, if you lose Christian Wilkins and then replace him with like a Johnny Newton from Illinois with your first-round pick, I got to wonder kind of what you're doing there. Maybe a second round, or when you get into day three, maybe look at that position. Uh, it's also a bad year at linebacker, off-ball linebacker. So, you know, there are a lot of positions in this draft that are that are <laughs> they're not great compared to previous years, with mostly being running back, tight end, uh, off-ball linebacker, and safety.
1: Where is do you think there's any flexibility in trading back in the first round? I, I'm kind of of the opinion that. Chris Greer's done a lot of dancing and I kind of wish he did a little more uh, draft dancing like last year, trading back a couple of times. But I'm kind of under the impression now that the dolphins should kind of settle at 21 and and do whatever they can to hit it out of the park instead of testing fate again, kind of like they did with Jalen Waddle a few years ago.
2: Yeah. I'm always up for a trade down. And when you get, when you get to pick 21, I mean, if there's an opportunity to move back, it really depends obviously who's on the board, but I, at pick twenty-one, there's there's not many trade downs. I, don't, I I think I would dislike. I mean, I don't. It's very unlikely I'd see a player at that spot where I think, oh man, you absolutely one hundred percent need to get that guy. You know, my opinion might change on that six times until then. But look, the Dolphins don't have a third-round pick because they forfeited it because thanks thanks Steve Ross, uh, and they don't have a fourth-round pick because uh, they traded that for Bradley Chubb. So you're going to have between pick fifty-five. And whatever their pick is in the fifth round, I mean, you're going to have another hundred pick gap where they're not taking anybody. So if they can trade down, get a few, uh, you know, late day two, day three picks, I'd be all for that. All right,
1: considering we have some of the uh, parameters established here, let's start going through it. Dolphins on the clock, pick 21, play the fancy music. Uh, You're stuck here. You're not allowed to leave. It's Hotel California. Who do you want on the board?
2: So yeah, if we take out the first 11 picks um, that that I mentioned before, my top 5 guys here and and there's again not one that absolutely 100% I sit here today and say you've got to get that guy. Well, actually the number 1 guy on my board is probably one I might think that about, but we'll we'll get to that in a bit. Number 5 on my list is uh, is Tyler Guyton, the tackle from Oklahoma. And this is not going to be a great fit for every offense, but this is this guy is six foot seven, 328 pounds. And if you watch him play, it's shocking to watch a man that big and that long move the way he does. And uh, his ability to get downfield uh, on those screen passes and in zone blocking, I think, is incredibly rare. Uh, he's played left tackle at Oklahoma. He's played right tackle. He played right tackle this this past year because they had a left-handed quarterback. So he's somebody that the question would be, would be at number, pick number 21, you could look at a player like that and say, this is the most physically talented player on the board, but then what happens with Teron Armstead? Uh, and if Armstead comes back, are you willing to kick Guyton inside a guard for a year? Would that even work given his size? But I also look at him and say, if, if you were to pair Tyler Guyton with Austin Jackson, you have two offensive tackles that can really get downfield and make those blocks in an offense that calls for it.
1: Josh, what would you do? You still have Teron Armstead. How, how do you approach that situation? Would you still go left tackle you think?
2: I mean, I think that's what it all
0: comes down to, right? What he decides on. I mean, I do feel that his end is closer than, you know, right. It's coming up. If he doesn't retire this year, you know, how much longer is he going to be in Miami? So I, I think I might go elsewhere if he comes back, but I would have no issue with that. He's sitting here naming this guy making make them sound like he's uh, an Avenger or something. And to think that last season at this time that we would come on here and hear how you could pair Tyler Guyton with Austin Jackson and have two of these, uh, you know, great downfield blockers and things like that. I just don't know that I would have ever even fathomed that. So yeah, I think I'd go elsewhere if Tyron Armstead um, chooses to come back, but um, I would have no issue if they ran to the board and took a physically gifted offensive tackle like you mentioned.
1: You wouldn't hang up and listen if Mike McDaniel is going to play six offensive linemen at replay?
2: Uh, oh, I would. <laughs>
0: it, it,
2: it, the Bills did that last. I, see, I don't understand why more teams don't do that. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember the 2013 season with the Bully gate stuff, but like when they lost Jonathan Martin and Richie Incognito in like the same week, and then they came out the following week against the Bengals on Sunday Night Football, the game where Cameron Wakes uh, had the safety of Andy Dalton, they played with six offensive linemen all game and they had their most balanced game of the year. I mean, I, I don't, if you're going to use a tight end to block anyway, I don't understand why more teams don't do that anyway. So I'm all for that.
1: I think the Lions actually did it quite a bit this year too. And it worked pretty yep. well for them. Cat, who you got at number four?
2: So number five was my that was a tough one for me because I, I, I had a lot of guys I was considering for that. The four are a little bit more secure in my mind as we sit here today. It's going to, again, it'll change a million times between now and draft day, but number four is the most popular one in mock drafts. And that's uh Troy Fatanu from Washington. And this is a player I, I look at it's, you know, he played left tackle at Washington um, almost his, his entire career. He started a few games at left guard, played 120 something snaps there, but, I see him as that pro bowl uh, that offensive tackle that kicks inside at the next level to guard. I mean, if you look at just four of the six pro bowlers this year, I mean, in the NFL, I mean, Joe Tooney, like you talked about, he was a tackle in college. Zach Martin was a tackle in college. Uh, Landon Dickerson was a center and he kicked a guard. So I don't think it'll be a tough adjustment at all. And, and what I like about him the most is, is, his power combined with his balance. Um, if if you watch him, his hands and his feet land at the same point on just about every play. And it's something that's very consistent, very repeatable. Um, and really what it's going to come down to is, is, is when he is measured uh, at the draft combine or, or at his pro day, is he going to have 33 inch arms or longer? Cause if he does, he might be a left tackle prospect. Otherwise, he's almost a sure bet to, to be a guard. But either way, I think you're get, You're getting a Pro Bowl-caliber player here at a guard position where you might lose three interior linemen in free agency.
0: It, is it that versatility that has you uh, ranking him above Geithner's or things about his game that you might – is he more refined or things like that? I mean, tell me why you chose him over a guy like Guyton. Is it because of that position flexibility moving inside? I think he can even play all five positions I read if, um, you know, came to it.
2: It, it helps, but – I would say that I have Fatano over him because he can get on, to me, as a day one starter, where Guyton, I think, would be a one-year project, and from that point, he could be a rare piece in this offense, given how much the Dolphins offense values athleticism and how athletic uh, Guyton is. But Fatano, to me, can step in day one and and play it at, at least above average level and then in a couple of years be a Pro Bowl player
1: everyone likes to share that the next gen stats they show uh Tua's release and how he led the league in release uh Fantasy Pros actually let a had a really interesting stat where it was um, time between uh snap and uh, release or snap and pressure and, and to a the league. It was actually lower than the the snap to throw weight rate. I think it was 2.1 seconds. So if the dolphins, like if you want to dumb it down and make it really basic, how can we get that 2.1 seconds up to 2.6, 2.7 seconds comfortably for the entire year? You'd probably look at guard and just late in the season, how often Miami's interior offensive line was kind of just pushed back play after play.
2: And I think it really started to get into his head as the season progress because you know if you just watch the game on Sunday, you would think, okay, you know, we're not seeing what we saw, you know, 10 years ago with Dallas Thomas getting, you know, wrecked and Ryan Tannehill going down for four or five sacks every game. You know, Tua compared to other quarterbacks wasn't taking a lot of sacks. But I also think that, you know, the the communication on offense and the need to get the ball out in two or three seconds against great defenses on the road turned out to not be a good thing. So hopefully they can bring back Connor Williams and or Robert Hunt and and keep this interior line intact. So they're not dealing with what they did last year.
0: I, I just want to throw the name out there. Isaiah Wynn, any thoughts on him because he was a guy I thought was playing decent. Obviously you're not going to you know pass on a prospect because of an Isaiah Wynn, but um, what are your thoughts on bringing him back on the cheap, you know, to, sure. if anything, just be an added depth piece.
2: Yeah. I mean uh, what he's 2016, he was drafts, drafted. So this will be his ninth year. I mean, he'll be 30. I mean, I, I thought he played at a, at a, a at least a serviceable level and he was what one year two and a half million yeah bring him back i mean he's not gonna he's not gonna you know turn around and say i want a 10 million dollar contract now so no i'm all for that i mean him kendall lamb if you can bring them back for cheap and then supplement the rust with the draft then that could be a good replacement for connor williams and robert hunt
1: god if i'm kendall lamb's agent i see such a great opportunity to go make money though you mean you had the limited it's like a it's like a backup quarterback that comes in and has the two great games. And then you get the Matt Flynn contract. I think Kendall Lamb could lock that in pretty quickly.
2: Yeah. But his agent will quickly remind him that he is in fact, Kendall Lamb <laughs> and he'll do as he's told. So uh, now he played, he played well when he got on the field last year. I mean, no, no game could we point to and say that they lost because, you know, Kendall Lamb was in the game. So, you know, I think he's with his what eighth team and now fifth or sixth team and. He'll be 32. So I think you could bring back him and Isaiah win for, for very cheap. If you decide to spend your money elsewhere.
1: Who are you looking at at number three?
2: So number three, I go to the defensive side of the ball and cornerback Terry Arnold from Alabama. And when you watch this guy play, if you just turn on Alabama on, on Saturday and, and watch this guy play, you would swear. He's like five, nine, 180 pounds. Because he moves so well, he's really loose-hipped, and you look you look at the roster, and he's six foot, almost 200 pounds, and that speaks to his ability to to slide and glide so quickly. And last year, 12 passes defended, five interceptions. Right now, there's a a big. Uh, dogfight at the top of the board here between six or seven cornerbacks for who's going to be that number one guy. There is no sauce Gardner in this draft, but Terry on Arnold could go really anywhere from that 10 spot all the way to the end of the first round. Uh, and, and he's somebody that if you draft it, what a compliment that would be opposite Jalen Ramsey, because the Dolphins, you know, they haven't been able to get that to get consistent playmakers at the cornerback position, other than Xavier Howard. I mean, Jalen Ramsey had those two games where he had the three picks. Other than that, teams avoided them. You know, Cater Coe, who had a rough go of it. You know, you had an interception here or there from one from Eli Apple. But, you know, to have Terry on Arnold opposite uh, Jalen Ramsey, I think Anthony Weaver starts out here with two really, really good cornerbacks.
0: Um, I was just going to ask you. I know the, the big name that's been. You, I think again, Senior Bowl was it not? Uh, Mitchell Toledo cornerback was shooting up uh, draft charts and things like that. Do you have any? Um, pre- do you have any preference or reason why you chose the corner that you did? Because you did mention so many being at the top and they're kind of being a dogfight. Um, or is there a reason you pit- went with him? And then you know, what other guys do you like at that position?
2: Uh, well, Quenyon Mitchell's two uh, on my board here. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Spoiler you, alert. My bad. <laughs> no, no, you're because it was, you know because it really is going to be a fight at the top. I mean, and Quinion Mitchell, I mean, he, he went down to the senior bowl and he already went in there in that top five or among those top five or six guys, Mitchell and Terry on Arnold are the exact same height and weight 195 pounds. And you watch, you look and they are look like completely different players. You'd swear. One is like I said, five, nine, 175 pounds. And Arnold, cause he moves so well, and then Quinion Mitchell looks bigger than six foot, 195 pounds. You know, he's – what really impressed uh, me with, with Quinion Mitchell there is was his ability to cover these these receivers of the senior bowl downfield in the one-on-one drills because you expect him to be physical at the line. And he played cornerback, he played slot, he played safety at Toledo. And I know that's a lower level of competition, but that's when the senior bowl matters here where you go – into these games. And, and now you're playing against the top, the best of the best among your peers. I mean, and Quinion Mitchell, I, I like the fact that even if he were to have some trouble at cornerback early on, he has the physicality and he has the flexibility to move to safety. So now you've got really two ways for him to be successful. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm big on Quinion Mitchell here. I'd love him to pick number 21 and uh, talking about a guy with 37 pass breakups over the last two years. Let's say the
1: defense gets one big present under the Christmas tree, and that includes the fact that uh, Christian Wilkins walks, Andrew Van Ginkle walks. How would you feel about that defense entering week one? If that was the one major um, improvement they were able to make when you consider the salary cap issues, and as we spoke in the past, the importance of throwing everything we can at the offensive line.
2: Yeah, if there is one spot in the team that I would hope that the Dolphins would say, okay, look, we're not, we're just not going to spend a lot of money here. We're going to get, you know, if Christian Wilkins walks, we're going to get a defensive tackle and free agency for three or 4 million a year. And his job is to fit Anthony Weaver's defense and basically tie up blocks for the linebackers. John Jenkins. You, you, John Jenkins, perfect example. Um, and, and then an outside linebacker, Hey, we're going to, you know, We're going to try to create pressure any way that we can until Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chumka come back, and with that, you know, taking the resources and pouring them into the secondary. Deshaun Elliott should not be a lot of money to resign. You've got Javon Holland, you've got Jalen Ramsey, you've got to think cater Kohu is going to be a better fit in any defense he plays in when you see what he did from year one to year two, and uh, you know Cam Cam Smith is certainly going to heaven forbid get some opportunities here. This year, so if you take a cornerback like a Quinion Mitchell or Terreon Arnold, you know, and you put them opposite Jalen Ramsey, and now you you take a little pressure off Kohu and off Cam Smith, and you could really be six or seven deep in the secondary without even talking about free agent or the rest of the draft yet.
0: i'm getting hyped i mean i you i feel like a little bit of a poser because i'm gonna be honest i haven't done a bunch of draft stuff because i just kind of been sitting here kind of feeling like eeyore but um you could everyone was hyped up about quinnion mitchell so i'm excited to hear what you said and i'm intrigued by what that versatility could do to that miami dolphins defense because um they're not going to be playing Jalen ramsey on one side of the field you know they're going to use his versatility we hear you know we see the way they use kyle hamilton in uh, baltimore obviously it's not um apples to apples but yeah that'd be a nice piece to bring into that defense so um I'm going to be the poser. I'm going to put that guy top of my list. Thanks. Thanks Kat. It's
1: already been spoiled a little bit, but, uh, let, let's talk number two, not that number two.
2: Yeah. So yeah. Quinion Mitchell uh, is number two, uh, and Terry Ann Arnold is, is number three. Uh, so, you know, in these guys, as we sit here today, you know, I I'd be happy with any of them at pick number 21 and, uh, you know, now on the other side, I'm going to put a little asterisk by this at cornerback. If one of these guys comes out and runs a four-five-eight, I'm going to go back and say, okay, what did I miss here? Because that's a a major difference um, from a you know four-four forty that I expect them to run compared to a four-six. So you, that's been known to tank draft stocks, but I expect both cornerbacks to work out very well.
1: The one thing that's really bother the Dolphins and I think it's just kind of a strength of all the great quarterbacks is is the scramble ability we've seen from the Josh Allens even the Patrick Mahomes even though everyone's hating on his dad bod but guys it's cold in Kansas City you need a little bit of protection you need that best but uh if they go cornerback isn't that still kind of would be an issue where you know they can lock down players in the secondary for 25 seconds but that's 25 seconds you know Again, I'm being ex- exaggerating that a bit, but uh, that's enough time for Mahomes to scramble around it and kind of do what he did to the Dolphins this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, any pressure on Mahomes from the Dolphins would be more pressure than they got on on him in the playoffs. I mean, it, it just and I it, that's one thing I can't blame the Dolphins much for. I mean, look, you're you're without your top two pass rushers. I mean, your top four pass rushers. To be honest, I mean, you're you're literally when you get to the point where you're literally pulling people off the street, which the Dolphins might have to do at the edge position to begin this year. That's not a depth thing. That's not a talent evaluation thing. That's that's just that's just bad luck. And so, but the good side is that look, Jalen Phillips is 24 years old. Bradley Chubb's 27, and I'm hoping Jalen Phillips is is going to be paid like a superstar, even if he rounds back into form this year you know, in, in 2025, he's only going to be 26 years old. So, um, I, I feel the dolphins are going to be good at that position long-term. Uh, but question is, what do you do at the beginning here of, of 2024?
0: Yeah. I just want to say, I never made fun of Mahomes' dad bod. I'm, I'm definitely not one to talk about that. <laughs> it looked good to me.
1: Cat, who's the apple of your eye on, uh, February 8th.
2: Yeah. I really didn't want to piggyback on everybody else. Um, because he he's the apple, I think, of everybody's eye. But it's it's Jackson Powers Johnson, the center from Oregon. And, you know, just it, so many things jump out to me for for him. And you're talking about somebody who at, at Oregon, over the last two years, he, he's, he's played center. He's played right guard. He's also started a couple games of left guard, too. But just over the last two years, in 700-plus pass protection reps, he has allowed zero sacks and allowed one quarterback hit at both the center and the guard position. He just turned 21 years old. He's 6'3", 334 pounds. So, and you, if you take a look at this, the center's draft in the first round, just over the last several years, you know, the Tyler Linder bombs, Ryan Kelly, uh, you know, you, the list goes on and on. The, the hit rate is very, very high. Now I know it's kind of a low impact position compared to edge rusher and cornerback, but, I think you can plug him in at center. You can plug him in at guard, and you're going to have a player that that immediately starts for you just based on play strength alone. And even if – I'll go a step further. If they were to even sign Connor Williams to a long-term contract, say they're willing to let him round back into form this year, sign him into a long-term contract this year to play center, I'd be perfectly comfortable with uh, Powers Johnson starting at right guard uh, just like he did in or- for Oregon in 2022. I mean, to like we talked about, like you said at the beginning of the show, Jake, that two has taken 2.1 average, uh, 2.1 seconds on average to throw the ball, you increase that to 2.6. This is the way you do it with a player like this. So I he's the guy that, yeah, I, I, I think at pick number 22, if he's still on, or 21, if he's still on the board, may not may not be a guy that I'm willing to trade down anymore um, to get more picks.
0: Yeah, I think we'd all love that pick. I mean, I guess you kind of touched on it there, but do you? I tweeted out how, you know, everybody wants him, so he's obviously not going to make it 21. Do you feel like there is going to be a team that, you know, maybe snipes the Dolphins? I mean, I know we're sitting here in February eight, just, you know, hypothetically speaking, but um, that's my biggest concern. A guy that can change this offensive line, a guy that we feel like might be the missing piece, um, just feels like he's going to be going.
2: Yeah, I mean... If he were the same caliber of prospect as an offensive tackle, I, I think absolutely he would not make it to pick 21. And he still may not. I mean, I saw him mock to the Seahawks um, the other day, and the, the Seahawks are expected to have a pretty big need, need at center as well. But when you start looking at those teams drafting, you know, between like 14 and 20, they tend to go toward other positions. You know, or if, if you have a team, you know, picking a few spots ahead of the Dolphins that that need an edge rusher, Are you going to go with the Jared verse at at edge? or Are you going to go with the center? You're probably going to go with the edge guy. So I feel, I feel pretty good. He's going to be there at 21. If I had to put a confidence level on, I'd say about 65, 70, 70% right now.
1: And that's kind of the battle you have with a first round pick, right? Uh, You mentioned low impact, but I mean, I have the, the super fantasy of, you know, I, I love the dolphins to get their guy who's going to be here for eight years. And, you know, no matter what conditions you're in you know he's a strong communicator and you're not having these issues in Philadelphia or in Kansas City where you know I would hang up and listen if someone wanted to let's bring back Connor Williams put it back at left guard and and, you know draft the center and and go in that direction just because I'd love just to put that pillar into the ground and just have it be uh, locked for so long where that's a real quick way as you mentioned to really solidify the offensive line as well.
2: And something needs to change when the Dolphins get late in the season. And they, it should be quite obvious to all of us that that going into Buffalo or Philadelphia or, or Baltimore late in the season with a smallish roster isn't going to work if they are they can't get more physical up front. And that's where Jackson Powers Johnson would, would come into play here. Uh, that's where a lot of these offensive linemen would come into play. I, I don't think you can roll in there next year with – you know, an an interior line of of Liam Eikenberg and Lester Cotton, even though they they did as well as they possibly could have, but you got to get stronger up front.
1: Kat, we're about 38 minutes here. So I'm going to say that uh, one, and on your list, but two, I'd like to give you the opportunity to fire some hot takes. You know, you, we see people coming out, trying to plant flags already, get on their guys in the draft. Let me hear some things you're, you're maybe seeing and you feel it's BS or, or maybe just some uh, overall statements about the 2024 draft.
2: Ooh. Um, I think Brian Thomas from LSU is going to end up being a top 10 pick. Um, he is someone who really came out of nowhere and he could be a consideration for the dolphins at 21, but you know, somebody who clocked in at 22 miles an hour uh, on the GPS and this past year, uh, 17 touchdowns, uh, almost 1200 yards in the sec, 6'4, 205 pounds. I mean, if the dolphins do go away from the offensive line, but they're looking to add that final piece of the puzzle on offense, maybe he's somebody that you look at and have him run a lot of vertical routes. Um, that's, but he's somebody that I think is going to really skyrocket from that late first round area to more of the top 10 to top 15 range.
0: Yeah, I think I saw someone say that. Was, was there an expert or something that maybe said that he was like in a fall in the draft or something? There was definitely some hot takes out there, but um, the Dolphins could absolutely use that big body presence. I mean, we've seen it like we mentioned every year, so um, I'd be all for that. What about you, Jake?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think if Mike McDaniel's confident that's the final piece, um I I would definitely not try to force it though. Uh and then you just kind of run into uh usage issues and, and issues like that. I saw Daniel Jeremiah tweet that this is the year for offensive linemen. Um I, you mentioned that you've only gone through the first couple rounds here. Um do you kind of feel that way where if everyone's attacking the offensive line in those first two rounds, Miami still has a path to to get some players who can come in and have an impact right away.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, offensive tackle, it's a very, very deep year. I'm still working my way through these guys. But depending on what mock draft you look at, I mean, you could see as many as nine offensive tackles, not offensive linemen, offensive tackles from Joe Alt all the way down to like a Patrick Paul from Houston go in the first round. I mean, it is a deep, deep year. And it kind of reminds me of um, 2021 where it was unbelievably deep at offensive line. That was the year the Dolphins took, unfortunately, Liam Eikenberg instead of Creed Humphrey uh, or Sam Cosme, a lot of other talented players in that draft, not to bring up bad memories. It was a overall great draft for the Dolphins, but uh, that's kind of how it looks like this year. And even after you get past, you know, Troy Fatanu. Um, if you don't want to take a tackle that high uh, or an offensive lineman that high, you know, Cooper BB from Kansas state or Christian Hayes from UConn should, should be uh should be a, should be solid second or third rounders too. What's
1: your thoughts about Paul as a potential uh, option for the dolphins? Because I know, I think they actually met with him at the senior bowl.
2: Yeah. He's, he's a good pass protector. He's a, he's kind of like Tyler Guyton in that he's a finesse player, but he doesn't, Move as well downfield in zone blocking as well as as a Tyler Guyton, and that's what intrigues me so much about Guyton. Where, like, if if this guy if he comes together with the offensive line and he's able to learn from toronto Armstead for a year, you could have a special special player. But he really is a boomer bust type of guy. Uh, Patrick Paul, I expect to go somewhere kind of in that mid second round area as we sit here today. But he's very battle tested, has a lot of experience there for Houston.
0: You mentioned Cooper Beebe. I'm pretty sure uh, Matt Miller had him mocked to the Dolphins in his two round mock draft. So interesting name to keep an eye on for sure.
2: Yeah, and Cooper uh, Beebe and Graham Barton are two guys you're going to see mocked quite a bit to the Dolphins. And you know, and I think either guy is going to is is going to be a good plug and play type of starter. But I I start to wonder like unless you're talking about a, a Pro Bowl type of player here, like like I think Troy Fattanu could be or um like a marius mims from georgia he he's only he only started eight games at georgia but he has unbelievable upside at six six seven three fifty uh and also like like i mentioned uh, tyler guyton too to me they've got to have that kind of upside for the dolphins to justify spending the 21st pick in the draft on them
1: upside is going to be probably the most important part i mean i I hate to kind of use this, but I mean, when you said the low impact, I just thought that was so perfect because that is going to be the biggest debate about those interior linemen. But I mean, if you have that path to developing an all pro uh, offensive lineman, that'd be the first one on the dolphins uh, at center since Mike Pouncey, what 10 years ago. So, I mean, you you need it. Like you said, you need to do something different up there.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Sounds good. And yeah, I mean, I, there's so many players the Dolphins could draft here. And uh, you know, if, if there isn't somebody like Jackson Powers Johnson there at twenty-one, I, I do hope they end up trading down, getting some more picks, because we've got to remember the Dolphins have drafted eight players in the last two years. Like and can make a strong case that only one of them has had an impact, and that's that's Devon Achan. So they gotta get more players and they gotta get more out of this draft class here.
0: And we kept hearing Mike McDaniel making jokes, right? Ever since I've been here, I haven't got a first round pick. So um it'll be interesting to see who he picks with that uh 21st overall pick. Oh whoops.
2: He had one stolen from him from the owner, but uh it's
1: a Stephen Ross tax. We all got to hit get Stephen Ross tax once in a while. But Kat and Houts, guys, this was absolutely fantastic. Uh Kat, you're a wealth of knowledge when it comes to college football. So we're gonna keep taking all the water out of that we can uh throughout this run up to the draft, but that is all the time we have today on another Dolphins Podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. Go enjoy the Super Bowl, and fins up. Fids up.